0: I'm going to tell you a story, it's from the Bible, and all the best stories are in the Bible. The best book to read is the Bible. If you read it every day, it'll help you on your way. The best book to read is the Bible. So we're going to tell a story about a family. And this family were in the Bible. And I hope you can see these. They're not very they're not very big. I should have made them a lot bigger, but it was easier doing them like this for me. I'm not an artist. If I could find my pen here, I could point things out to you as we go along. Here we are. And there were four people in this family. And one of them was called Elimelech. The next one was called Naomi. The next one was called Mahlon and the other one was called Chilean family of four and they lived in Judah they lived in Bethlehem which was the place of bread the place of bread that was plenty to eat in Bethlehem God had provided all this food in the promised land but you know their names Elimelech meant God is my king God is my king. Naomi meant, or Naomi, it all depends whether you're old-fashioned or modern. Uh, it means, God is my delight. A delightful person. And then we came to this fellow, Malon, and it meant sickly. I wonder why they called him a name that meant sickly. Wouldn't you? And then the little fellow here, he was called Chilean, and it meant pining, pining so they weren't too happy these two little fellows, obviously one was sickly and the other was piny well they were farmers and one day the, the, the farmer Limelech went out to look at his fields and he realized things weren't good there was a famine starting and his trees instead of being full of leaves had no leaves his his ground instead of being all little green shoots coming up there were no green shoots they all turned brown and his animals were dying things were bad and here the vultures coming down to eat the dead animals poor old Elimelech and Naomi were very worried what were they to do they had to get food for their children. They had to farm the land. There's no other way of getting money. So they made a decision. They had a family gathering. And they made a decision. And they decided that there was food in Moab. And so they decided they would go down to Moab where there was plenty of food. So they got all their belongings gathered up in their cart and the old horse or mule or whatever, I don't know what that is. It it was there and they set off and they were very sad having to leave Bethlehem. But you know, his name meant God is King. My God is King. And God had given them the land to dwell in. God had always promised that this was a land flowing with milk and honey but the people had turned their back on God some of them and here he was setting out to go to Moab forgetting that God had promised that he would supply their needs it's a bit like you and me isn't it standing on the promises of God and yet we try to do things on our own it's so true and he's full of depression as he heads off towards Moab things went all all alright when they got to Moab for a while and then disaster struck disaster Elimelech died Elimelech died and that was a terrible thing to happen the man who was the head of the family died so what did they do well they tried to do as best they could and then something happened one of the boys met a nice girl and they got married here they are at the wedding He met a girl called Ruth. And she was good looking. And he married Ruth. Isn't that lovely? And here we have them at the wedding. And we have Naomi. And we have Ruth. And the two boys. Well that was alright. Things were looking up. Things were happier. And then... The other boy, he met a girl, and he got married. And here we have, here's Ruth and her husband over here, and here's this new girl, Orpah. Orpah came along, and Naomi, knew things were looking up, here the two, the two girls, her so her daughters-in-law, and each of them marrying her two children so things were pretty good and then things went on like that for about ten years and then one day disaster struck again disaster one of the boys men as they were now died and here they are at the funeral we have Naomi Ruth and Orpah and one of the boys the other one's in the coffin terrible but they managed for another year or so and then disaster struck again the other man he died and here they are at the funeral there's only the three ladies left we have Naomi, Naomi Ruth and Alba and they're all crying as they follow the coffin and here was Naomi in a foreign country away from all her friends away from the place where God had said and he called it the house of bread and she began to think What should we do? What should we do? Well, they had a little conference, another family conference, but this time it was only the three ladies. And she said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my relations and to my friends because I hear that the famine is over. The famine's finished. And I'm going to go back to Judah. So they packed up the few things that they had left because they had to eke out an existence when the men weren't there, and they probably sold a lot of their stuff. And here they are heading off to Judah. We have Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah all going back to Judah. But they'd gone not very far along the road when Naomi started thinking. And she says, "You know, it's not fair, me bringing these two girls back to Judah." Now there was a rule in in uh, Israel that if if you had married a man and he died, then his brother married you, so as to have children in the name of the man who had died. And Naomi said to the girls, "Listen, go back home I'm old I'm not I haven't got a husband, but even if I had a husband and we had children, you would never wait that long to marry him. you have to wait ages go back to your own people go back it's not right I'll go on on my own so they had this discussion on the road to Judah. And Orpah, she thought about it and she said, oh no, I'm going with you. And then she said, no, I'll go back to my parents. And she went back and they cried. But Ruth, she said an amazing thing. Here's what Ruth said. Don't ask me to leave you. Please don't ask me to leave you. I'm going to follow you where you go I will go where you lodge whatever house you get I'll be there with you your people are going to be my people and this is the important bit she said and your God is going to be my God I'm going to follow your God from now on I'm going to follow your God isn't that wonderful Naomi must have had a good testimony. And Ruth had been watching her because they had been idol worshippers. And she was watching Naomi day in, day out. When the crunch came, she says, No. From now on, I'm going, your God's going to be my God. And she said, And when you die, I'm going to get a plot beside you. I'm going to be buried in the same place. is that wonderful? Where you go, I'll go. Where you're living, i live. Your God's going to be my God. Where you're buried, I'm going to be there too. Isn't that wonderful? Have we got a testimony like that, that it attracts people to our God? It's very simple this, isn't it? But have we? Have we got a testimony that says that? So, Orpah went home and they carried on. And you remember what Naomi's name was? Delight. Delight. Well, they arrived back in Bethlehem. And it says everybody was excited. They must have been well known. And they were saying, Naomi's back. Have you seen Naomi? Oh, dear. And she's got a daughter-in-law with her, Ruth. She's back. And everybody was talking about her. And they all came out to see her. And they said, Naomi, is it you? I can't believe it. And she says, yes, but don't call me Naomi anymore. Don't call me delight anymore. Call me Mara, bitterness. She says, God has dealt so bitterly with me. She was blaming God. And you know, that's what we do. When things go bad, when things go wrong oh God I wish God would have, hadn't done this they had left the place where God had said would be his land they'd gone into a foreign country but then they said it was God's fault we do that all the time don't we don't we I don't know whether they ever did call him or not probably hard to change a name in in that age but in any case their house was there it was a bit overgrown with weeds and things and they had a bit of land there and they decided that they would set up house in the old place and then see what they could do. Now this this isn't in the story but I want to tell you about this. In those days in Israel when a farmer went out to his field and he had taken all the barley off the field and he left a sheaf of barley in the field by mistake if he suddenly remembered he couldn't go out the next day and and get the sheaf that was against the law if he was on the vines and he was collecting grapes and he went out the next day and saw there was a nice bunch of grapes that he'd missed. He had to leave it there. If he went out to his tree and there was fruit on the tree and he saw suddenly a beautiful apple on top of the tree, he couldn't shake the tree and make it come down. He had to leave it there. Why? had to leave it for the poor people. The poor people had the right to go out. If you went into the corners of the field, you were to leave the corners. You weren't allowed to go right into the corners. Fur people went out and they got that. All the little bits that were left as the men were working in the field, that was for the fur people. You weren't able to go out and rake it all and get all the little bits and gather them all in. That's just by the way. Because it's important. Because when they got settled they began to think how are we going to live how are we going to live so Ruth said you've been telling me about the rules over here I'm going to go out into the fields and I'm going to collect I'm going to glean all the bits that are left and so she went out into the fields and here were the men and the women who were cutting it they cut them with a sickle like this this twisted thing and they collected and they left bits she was collecting all the bits in her bag well as it happened the man who owned the field who was called Boaz Boaz before Boaz married Ruth he was ruthless, did you know that? (laughs) but he wasn't he was a very nice man (laughs) so here we have Boaz and he came into the field and he said to his foreman who's that over there? We know it was Ruth. And he said, the foreman said, well that's Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law. Oh, he said, I know who that is. She's been so good to her mother in law. You know, all daughters-in-law are not bad to their mothers-in-law. Most of them are, but some of them aren't. But in any case, we have Ruth there and he says, oh, that's wonderful. He says, now, make sure she's okay. And he, he, he went to, to the men who were around about the place and you know, young men, when they're working in a field, especially farmers, they, 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 they always out for a bit of a laugh, a bit of a joke. And he went to them and said listen lads see that girl over there don't be annoying her let her let her gather as much as she wants and he says leave a few handfuls extra And don't be trying to play tricks on her that was nice of him wasn't it and then he, 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 he went over to, to, to Ruth and he said to her I, I've heard about you He said, don't go to any other field. Stay with my maidens as they gather the the corn. and Gather as much as you want. And he said, when is tea time? He said, go over and you can share in what we have. There's plenty of water over there. Nice cold water. He said, go on and they won't molest you. I've told them to, to leave you alone. Here we have Ruth having her lunch with the men. And there's Boaz having his lunch there as well. He was very good to her. Ruth went home. And Naomi was there. And he says to her, She said to her, what, 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 How'd you get on today? How'd you get on? Oh, she says, on oh, really? Look, look at the amount I brought home. It's fantastic. She said, The man was so good to me. And he's told me not to go anywhere else. Not to go anywhere else. Who was he? Oh, his name was... Uh, Bo, Bo, Boaz. That's right. Boaz, says Naomi. Oh, she said, you know, he's a relation of ours. Isn't that amazing? God had sent her to a field. In other words, fields... Uh, all over the place, not fields like we have but there are places all over the place where she could have gone but God directed her to the field where Boaz was is that amazing well it's not, because God was watching over the whole situation God was watching it. Naomi said to, to Ruth make sure you don't go anywhere else Make sure you stick by that man. He's a relation. And you know, Naomi began to think. The little wheels started going around my brain. And she said, this is good. This is good. I'm going to think about something. And you know, the wonderful thing that happened. Ruth began to fall in love with Boaz but the most important thing was Boaz began to fall in love with Ruth. And Naomi, I think, had something to do with it. doesn't say that, but I think she worked a couple of tricks. And you can read about them in Ruth. Read Ruth when you go home. It'll only take a short time. So, Boaz decided... That he was going to do something about it. And Naomi had some land. And she said I'm going to sell this land. Now the way it worked. That the relation who was closest to the person. Who was selling the land. The widow who was selling the land. Had the first right. To buy that bit of land. And then horrors of horrors she discovered that there was another man who was a closer relation than Boaz who had the right to buy her land. She had hoped I think that Boaz would be the one who would buy the land. Boaz heard that the land was for sale and then he too realized that he couldn't buy it. He hadn't the first option somebody else had we don't know the man's name but there was another snag whoever bought the land had to marry Ruth that was part of the deal that would be a terrible thing if you went to go and buy a bit of land here and you said to the, the auctioneer yes I'll buy the land well he says, you're going to have to buy the, 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 the seller's daughter as well that wouldn't be a very pleasant thing So Boaz decided he'd take the the law into his own hands and do something about it. So he went, and he went to the gate. Now at the gate of these cities is where the the wise men always sat. Gates are a sign of judgment, judging. And Boaz went to the gate of the city, and he got ten men. There aren't ten men there, but he got ten men as witnesses. He says, I want you to witness something here and they hang around and waited around and the fellow said what are you waiting for I oh, said I'm waiting for somebody along here to come along I know he comes along here every day at 4 o'clock and they hung around and sure enough this man came walking down the street and Boaz called him over he said could I have a word with you and uh, the man said yes certainly he said uh, you know Naomi is selling a bit of land oh yes I've heard that he says and you're the closest relation yes that, that, that's me and he said, "Are you going to buy the land?" "Yes, yes, I'm going to buy the land." Oh, Boa's heart must have sank. I don't know whether Ruth was nearby or not. I have her here. She, she, I have her looking on here, but I don't, we don't really know whether she was there or not. He said, "You're going to buy?" It? "Yes," he says. But they said, uh, "Boa says, well, then you're going to marry Ruth." Huh! He said, "Nobody told me that." Oh that, that's it, he says. If you marry if you buy this land, you're going to have to marry Ruth. Well oh, he says, I'm already married. I've got children. if I do all this, he says, all my inheritance is going to get mixed up. I'm going to have to give my inheritance to Ruth and, and, and any children we have from her. He says, Oh no, no, that's not right. He says, That's the way it is. And he backed out. He said, "No, I'm not going to go ahead with that." He sure said, "Boaz, yes," he says, "I'm not going to go ahead." No, they did a funny thing. It's a funny thing. He said, "Well, you have to do what the law says, and what is it?" He says, "You have to take off your sandal, and you have to give me your sandal." And here he is. He says, "He's only got one shoe on." He's throwing the sandal over it at Boaz. There's a the sandal, he said. And he says, "Why?" that's showing to these people who are sitting here as witnesses that you have given up your right to the land. And that Boaz now had the right. And it's a kind of, I think the way it worked was, Boaz now had that shoe. And he had the right to walk over that land. Some way like that. The other man didn't have the shoe, so he couldn't have the right to walk over the land. Boaz was, he must have been all excited. Oh, I've got the sandal. I can go and see if Ruth will marry me. We'll have to wait till next week. No. <laughs> you know, they had a great wedding. And here they are at the wedding. Boaz, whose name meant strength, and he married... Ruth, and that must have been a fantastic day for Naomi. You know, it wasn't long after that, during the next year, something happened. Naomi was excited. Ruth had a baby, and they called that little baby Obed. Obed. And they all lived happily ever after. But not not entirely. I'll tell you what. Does anybody know who Obed's mother was? Who um, was Ruth? But who who was Boaz's mother? Anybody know who Boaz's mother was? tell you who she was she was Rahab do you remember the story of Rahab she married a man called Solomon. Boaz and Ruth had a little boy called Obed Obed got married and he had a little boy called Jesse and Jesse got married and his youngest boy was David and way down the line same line, the Lord Jesus Christ was born. Isn't that amazing, all because of two women. Rahab, who trusted in God and put that ribbon out, and the, we'll tell the story some other day. And then she came out and she married Sam, and then Ruth married. Boaz because she was obedient to God because she put God first in her life amazing where you go I will go where you are buried I will be your God is going to be my God God looked over and watched over everything that was going on and that's the story of Ruth and you read it in the book of Ruth read it when you go home it's a wonderful story and the story of how she was taken by Boaz and how she was in the line of the Lord Jesus a Gentile in the line of the Lord Jesus Christ two women in the genealogy of Jesus Rahab Gentile and Ruth a Moabiteite both we have two books in the Bible which are called after women we have Esther who was a Jewish girl who married a Gentile king and we have the book of Ruth who was a Gentile and she married a Jew. Interesting. You know, if, if that man, if, if the man who had decided not to buy the plot of land, do you know what Ruth could have, had, she could have done? She could have taken his sandal off and spat in his face. Isn't that amazing? if she had wanted to but she didn't want to make a show of the man because she wanted to marry Boaz that was the whole thing about it you know, you know Boaz and the law in relation to all this you read it in, in, in Deuteronomy 25.9 and Leviticus 25.25 but you know Boaz fulfilled every aspect of the law and his obligations under the law so that he could marry his Gentile bride that was the wonderful thing Boaz fulfilled everything that was necessary so that he could get his bride and our Lord Jesus Christ our redeemer he came and he fulfilled all that a holy God required to redeem us unto himself Boaz is called a kinsman redeemer he was able to buy the land and release Ruth from the poverty and the rough life she was having to live Ruth had nothing they were poor, they were poverty stricken but because Boaz came along he he was able to change all that and because the Lord Jesus Christ has come he has become our redeemer and he fulfilled all that was necessary under the law we were dead In our trespasses and in our sins, the Bible tells us. We were poverty stricken. We were worse than that. But through his death, he has made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ. We're changed. It's wonderful. You know, there's a verse I want to look at in Exodus 34. Exodus thirty-four and verse twenty. It's an unusual verse, and we looked at it once before a long time ago. It says, But the firstling of it, all that we we'll go back to nineteen, all that openeth the matrix is mine, and every firstling among thy cattle, whether ox or sheep, that is male. All the male animals God was claiming the first the firstlings of the flock were his, he says. But the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb and if thou redeem him not then shalt thou break his neck all the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt redeem you can imagine the the, the picture in in a, a Jewish household and they have a little lamb and the donkey has a little foal and the father says oh what are we going to do with the foal the son says oh we'll bring it up it's lovely oh he says we'll have to break its neck why that's the law God says if a donkey has a foal have to break its neck. Oh, we can't do that. The father says, well, there's one way out. We'll have to bring the little lamb and sacrifice it. Why? You can't do that. That's the law. If you want your donkey to live, you have to sacrifice the little lamb. terrible terrible dilemma what was the farmer going to do well he either had to break the, the donkey's neck or else he had to sacrifice the lamb but the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb and if thou redeem him not You have to break his neck. And then it goes on to say. All the firstborn. Of thy sons. Shalt thou redeem. There were two classes of animals. Clean and unclean. And where was man placed? He was placed. With the unclean animals. He had to be redeemed. Like the way. The donkey had to be redeemed. The lamb was the answer to the unclean. If the ass was not redeemed, what did it mean? It meant death, death, death. Man in his unredeemed state was equated in that verse with the, an ass with a broken neck on the same level as a unclean animal what a picture of lost man in his natural condition if man is unredeemed the only thing that faces him is death death, eternal death that was the only option and that is the only option with man in the world but we have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot when that farmer took that little lamb and sacrificed it the donkey lived when we who are unclean when Jesus Christ went to the cross The Lamb of God was slain so that you and I live. We have life. Christ the Lamb, spotless, clean, unblemished. We, condemned to death, unclean. But He took our position. And that's what happened to that little lamb. It took the position of the donkey. And the donkey lived. Lord Jesus Christ came the word was made flesh and dwelt among us we read that passage and he took our place on the cross and was made to be sin for us that we might become righteous in God's sight Second Corinthians 5 21 for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin spotless Lamb of God so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him Our sin, punishment for which we should have endured eternal punishment, that was death. Eternal spiritual death. He endured on the cross and he took our sin. Our sin was laid on him. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. The clean, Jesus Christ, the spotless, took for a time the place of the unclean, you and me, in order that we, the unclean, might be made clean in God's sight, clothed in Christ's righteousness, clothed in Christ's righteousness, and dwell in fellowship with him forever. Jesus said that where I am, there ye may be also so there we have it by nature we are represented by the loathsome figure of an ass with a broken neck that's what we're equated with in God's sight dead by grace we are seated with Christ in heaven that's the difference the lamb has been slain the donkey lived What a contrast. Such a contrast should, should silence any, any and banish any, any thought of self-worth. And self-boasting. And should open our hearts in praise and adoration to God. For what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. He's become our redeemer. Our kinsman redeemer. He stepped in. And redeemed us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Not with some spiritual blessings. But with all spiritual blessings. In heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians two six, And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. First Peter 1, 18 19 For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, it's no wonder that the song in heaven, and will be, and is, for all eternity, giving glory to the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. We down here on earth also, as the hymn writer says, prone to wonder Lord I feel it prone to leave my Saviour soul. Don't we? But let us reflect on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who In Corinthians eight verse nine, second Corinthians, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. He took our place. He took our place as the Lamb. And we who are dead in trespasses and sins picked it in that verse as a, an ass with a broken neck but because he died we live, we live oh to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be let that grace Lord like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee give him thanks this morning praise and worship him this morning as we come to remember him in the breaking of bread and in the drinking of the wine